Hello and welcome. It's a Tuesday edition of the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. And to all of those listening on the podcast, hello and welcome. Well, Donovan, I said this before the show today to you, and I was going through putting together the lineup because I also um, produced the show. I mean, whatever we want to make of that. Um, some people are like, oh, that's why. It sucks. But I'm going through the list of topics, and I'm like, for a Tuesday, it felt really thin. Even with that game last night, it felt really thin. And then I get up this morning doing stuff. I'm like, ah, we might have to stretch some things here. Then we get the news of Matt Canada being fired by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Then I get in here, and I'm told by our esteemed guest booker for this station, Daniele Franceschi. Hey, do you want Devin McCordy on the show today? And I'm like, yeah. So we went from zero to a hundred real fast this morning, Donovan. How excited are you right now? I'm very excited because I need some help from the group. I need <laughs> a little bit of therapy, a little bit of counsel, a little bit of fellowship because the assault on football that the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers are undertaking is tough to stomach. It was, if there was ever a game that really kind of highlighted how bad the receivers are, it was probably last night. I mean, the weather doesn't help. I understand that. The fact that Travis Kelsey ruined every one of my bets last night because Taylor Swift wasn't there. But it's just the, it's the egregious nature of these drops. It was Kadarius Tony early in the season. And now it's Marquez, very substandard, dropping a ball basically in the end zone that was in his hands. Did he have to reach out for it? Yes. But you are the highest paid wide receiver on this team at $11 million. They're first in the league in drops. They had two red zone turnovers. Uh, one, you know, one the interception. The other one was a Travis Kelsey fumble. But not only that, Donovan, as bad as the receivers have been, this team, can you take a guess as to where they are in terms of second half scoring in the NFL? Maybe you've seen this already. Last. They're last. 5.3 points per game in the second half. This This is a massive miscalculation by Brett Veach on... Patrick Mahomes' ability to be Superman with a poor receiving core. Here's the other thing, and nobody wants to talk about this because everybody's going to go, well, he's having a horrible year, so the loss of Juju Smith-Schuster for this offense looms large. At least it's a guy who can catch the ball. And one of the guys that has shown the ability to catch the ball this year is Rasheed Rice, and they don't use him probably like they should Throwing to guys like Justin Watson and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Sky Moore. and Are we looking at a Chiefs team that the only way they can win a Super Bowl is by playing great defense? And I can't believe I just said that. And running the ball to Isaiah Pacheco and Patrick Mahomes running around and scrambling for first downs to extend drives on third down. I mean, it, here's the thing. It's not as if they didn't have the ability to sign Andre Hopkins. 
it's it's not as if they didn't have the ability to sign Odell Beckham Jr. It's not as if they didn't have the ability to trade for Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy would probably be just another version of what they have, but still, it's another guy. It's not as if they didn't have ample opportunities to rectify this scenario. And I've said this before. I feel like Patrick Mahomes is a hummingbird in a cage. Like you have this incredibly beautiful, talented specimen, a generational player, and we are not seeing the fruits of that ability, but really labor. Like if you are working so hard to be at the top of your craft and then on a big stage, you are not able to show it because you're constantly being let down by those around you. It is incredibly disappointing. And I think the most telling shots from what was a great game, a great telecast on Monday Night Football was the cuts to Patrick Mahomes time after time after time, putting his hand on his helmet, thinking, do I have to pull a Giselle Bunchen and throw it and, and catch it? As she famously said, after Tom Brady lost in Super Bowl because of a big drop. The interesting thing is you talked about the drops. It'd be one thing if it was just drops because drops are a, a, a physical error. They're concentration, but like no one's trying to drop the football. There are also times when players were not taking the right leverage, the right angles, the right routes, not running through to the point of the football. And that's not even to talk about his two tackles who constantly either put him in harm's way or put him behind the sticks. <laughs> Jawan Taylor is something special, man. Holy smokes. I, I just, I watch sports to get away from frustration and I watch this Chiefs team and I find myself frustrated. Yeah, there are, there are, it really feels like they're wasting a year of Patrick Mahomes. We're wasting a year of that defense too. For sure, yeah. And Steve Palazzolo, who is from uh, Pro Football Talk, he had a tweet last night that was so incredibly accurate about Patrick Mahomes last night and just kind of what he's dealing with. He says, Mahomes was awesome on that final drive, and he went four for nine for 25 yards. Hmm. Like, think about that. So when you look at a box score and say that, well, Patrick Mahomes was horrible, this is why you have to watch the games. Because Patrick Mahomes is doing basically everything he could. Even the throw on fourth and 25, like, you don't expect anybody to complete that. He put it right in Justin Watson's hands, and he missed it. At, at the sticks. It would have been a first down. A first down, yes. Not one of those Matt Canada jobs where you're fourth and 25 and he throws it eight yards down the field. No, 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 no. But I look at this team and I say, like, this is a complete waste of a year because you tried to get cute. Now, they believed in Rasheed Rice, and that's fine, but do you want to know a couple of the wide receivers that were taken around Oh boy, Rasheed Rice? Please. I present to you... The third round, pick number 69, Tank Dell. Looks like he's creating some magic with C.J. Stroud. I present to you another third round pick. Ten picks later, at 79, Josh Downs from the Indianapolis Colts. Another guy who's had more success this year. Jaden Reed was drafted five picks before Rasheed Rice. Like, this is... man. Puka Nakua 
fifth round pick by the LA Rams. I think he would look pretty good right now with Patrick Mahomes. Well, and here's the other question. Although nobody really thought, you know, he's a fifth round pick, but still, these are some of the guys that were taken after him. I, I honestly think you need to just draft a receiver in every round at this point and hope that <laughs> you're you, the Chiefs, yeah, and, and hope that you're you're fishing for gold. Here's the other question, and you know, every week I write a uh, ten stats article for Sportsnet.ca, breaking down the ten stats that are meaningful in the game th- that week. This week it might just be ten stats about this Chiefs offense. But my question is, we're talking about these receivers, the inability to one get open. Two, when they get open, catch the football. Uh, is all of this being focused on because their true number one is not a number one anymore? And that, I mean, Travis Kelsey. Yeah, I had that thought too. I did. And, and that was, but again, is Travis Kelsey not as good because teams can double him now because there is nobody else. Like at least when Juju Smith-Schuster was there, they had to account for him. They don't have to account for anybody now. They can leave Marquez Valdez-Scantling wide open and he will not catch the ball. That was very, very, we saw that last night. But when Travis Kelsey was at his best, he wasn't a tight end. He was a wide receiver. Yeah. They were moving him around the offense. He was lining out wide, sometimes lining out wide by himself on the short side of the field, and you got a choice. Are you going to bring a safety over and deal with a tight end with two defensive backs and then deal with the rest of the wide receivers to the field, or uh, are you going to play him one-on-one on the short side of the field? We're not seeing that anymore. We're not seeing him moved around. He is still a pretty good tight end, but when he was outstanding, he was a great wide receiver who just happened to make tight end money. A guy that knows even a little bit more than you and I, Donovan. Not a lot just, more. Not just a little bit more. A lot more. We have him on the line now. Devin McCourty, former NFL corner, Super Bowl champion, now analyst for Westwood One. He will be on the call this Friday for the Black Friday game between the Dolphins and the Jets, along with his brother Jason and play-by-play man Ian Eagle. Devin, how are you this morning? I'm good. How you guys doing? We're well. We're better than the Kansas City Chiefs wide receivers right now. I'll tell you that much. Like we may, you you may be getting a call to play wide receiver at this point. Like Devin, when you watch this team, you were you were a very good player, very good corner. You you've done a lot of great work in the NFL. How much would you love to go up against this wide receiver group, watching them perform each and every week? Well, I mean, that's one thing to talk about. But the other side of that is you got to play against Mahomes, and I think. We all fall, like we fall victim to what just, you know, currently happens uh, in the NFL. It's a week-to-week league. We make all of these huge assumptions. I think the thing is, you got to realize they're still a good football team. They still have found ways to win, and they're they're a couple plays away from beating the Eagles in the game. When you watch, they've kind of dominated the game and controlled the game. But you take away, you know, obviously the MVS drop at the end was killer. But if you take away the interception, Mahomes threw in the red zone and the Kelsey fumble in the red zone, their two best players, they're in better shape to win that game. So, um, yes, their receivers have to step up. Um, They're going to need them if they want to make a run. But I would never be in a rush as a defender to say, hey, let's line up and play against Patrick Mahomes. No question. And I think for me as a fan, I I just hate the fact that we're wasting the greatness of Patrick Mahomes and we're wasting, you know, a great performance this year by that defense, you understand locker rooms, you understand the culture and how it works, and you have different 
you know, position groups and, and, and meeting rooms. And if you are one of those other position groups that has been balling out all year, balled out on Monday Night Football, and yet you have another loss, what's that conversation when you, you look into the wide receiver room? Are, are, are you talking to those guys in, in a way saying, man, you're messing with my money? Yeah, I think one of the key things is you, you gotta you gotta stick together. You gotta continue to be a team. It's always hard, you know. Like you said, the defense played outstanding. They're making plays, and then all of this pressure goes on them. When you get this feeling of, you know, we don't make every play, and it, it feels weird to talk about Kansas City in that way because for a long time it was flopped. You know, the offense was making the plays, and the defense wasn't getting stops. So I think the key is you gotta all have confidence that we're gonna push through and get to the point that we need to be. As a defender, you got to continue to push those guys in practice, right? you got to – you know, I don't know their practice schedule, but we used to do one-on-ones all the time. And during our one-on-ones, we're talking trash. We're getting on these guys. We're not, we're not making them or letting them feel sorry for themselves. Like it's the National Football League. you got to go make catches. you got to go do that. And the time to practice that is in the game. And the, the good thing for Kansas City, you have one of the best defenses in the NFL. So Snead, McDuffie – uh, Watson, Williams, like these corners got to go up there and challenge these receivers every single day, make it hard on them, and make them feel more confident going into the game. Like those drops, like a lot of that comes from confidence. So I think that team, you know, they know they have a chance. They just got to keep building and can't let, you know, that bad loss, you know, last night affect them going forward um, because they'll still have a good chance to win. They still kind of control their destiny in the AFC uh, of their play, and they've been like that. And this isn't a new situation for them. They've gone to so many straight FC championships, so they got to believe in that work that they put in through the years. Another team where the dynamic uh, in terms of a defense carrying an offense has been Pittsburgh, outgained in every game. Now we have the news that Matt Canada is fired. I always wonder, when you're talking about a coordinator, how much can that change things when you fire someone in season? Because you don't have the ability at this point, to install entirely new uh, plays and formations. Do you think it's more just cleaning the slate, or can it actually have a tangible impact on the X's and O's? I think it can have a tangible impact because I think no matter what, the plays won't change. But I think each person that goes out and calls a play from a coordinator standpoint, that team, that side of the ball, takes on their personality and how they like to call the game. So I always think about that as, you know, depending on who's calling the plays, there's going to be when they decide to call different things, what plays they decide to go, go to, go to, how they decide to game plan during the week. So I think Pittsburgh, you know, they're going with a combination, you know, of two guys over there. So I think now you'll get different aspects of what they like in the run game and the pass game going into the game. And then I think, now with Sullivan calling the plays, you might get a different vibe of how Canada saw the game and how he want, maybe wants to be more aggressive or less aggressive. I think that can impact the game. I think we saw that a little bit Sunday with Joe Brady taking over. It wasn't all these like brand new plays, but I think it was a little bit of, all right, we're going to get it to the backs in space. We're going to do this. So I think those are you know some of the small things that can be done, but those small things um, can have a lot of relevance. And I think in both these situations, you're going to see the guy now calling plays was just in the quarterback room with the quarterback day in and day out. So they might have a better bond uh, and relationship going forward on how they see the game. Devin McCourty, Super Bowl champion, joining Matt Marchese and Donovan Bennett here on the fan check down on the Sportsnet radio network. So 
I, listen, I've been very critical on this show. I've been very critical on Twitter about Matt Canada and the play calling. And, you know, I, when I saw the news today, I kind of took a step back and I said, okay, Matt Canada hasn't done a great job, but Matt Canada has dealt with a broken Ben Roethlisberger and a, a not so good Kenny Pickett. How much do we put, let, let's focus on this year specifically. How much do we put on Matt Canada and how much do we put on Kenny Pickett because I saw a video of all of Kenny Pickett's throws past the sticks this past weekend and Devin they were horrible um he it's not as if he doesn't have talent on the offensive side of the ball Jalen Warren has been really good uh Najah Harris less so but he's got Deontay Johnson and George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth when he's healthy where do where does the blame lie here? Is this all Matt Canada? Is it kind of 50-50? Or do we need to put a little bit more blame on Kenny Pickett and the job that he's done as the quarterback? Yeah, I think it's more 50-50. I think when you, you, you talk about the quarterback and offensive coordinator relationship and how they're going to see the game, you need that to blend well. You need that to be on the same page. Because if you don't have it, whether one guy's really good or – you know, the other guy's really bad. It doesn't matter because your product ends up being inconsistent, up and down. So I think when you watch Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett hasn't played well. So quite naturally, if Kenny Pickett's not playing well, the offensive coordinator's probably not doing a good job or he's not going to get credit for doing a good job because the product's so poor on the field. So um, I think now a lot of the pressure of how this league works is you fire one guy, you decide that, you know, Kenny Pickett, you're still going to be out there playing quarterback. Now the pressure's all going to fall on Kenny Pickett because it's like, hey, Matt Canada was the problem to everybody. He's not here anymore. Now it's up to you. So I think for him and Sullivan, they have to come up with the best way for Kenny Pickett to be successful. I think in the NFL, you know, they'll evaluate every position at the end of the year. But right now for Pittsburgh, they're in it. So if Kenny Pickett can't do certain things that they thought he could do, they're not going to care about that right now. Let's find a way to go out there and win football games and make do with whatever Kenny Pickett does well uh, and figure that out now because they're, they're right in the race. They're in a division where they have a good record. If they can finish the season strong, there'll be a chance in the playoffs. And I think this is one of the years where there's been more parity between all of the teams than ever before. In New York, they're having offensive issues. They're not going to fire Nathaniel Hackett because he's boys with Aaron Rodgers. But uh, they are making a change at quarterback why Tim Boyle instead of Zach Wilson now? What, if anything, does that change? Yeah, I mean, it's hard for the Jets. I think with a guy like Aaron Rodgers, with all of the talk being that he might come back and he's definitely going to be here next year, I think that that might have altered their mindset of, you know, going out there and being more aggressive and getting a quarterback that can come in and play. You know, you asked me, like, what? Why now? What are the changes? Like, I don't know what difference Tim Boyle is really going to make for this team. I mean, they might go out here and beat Miami. I don't know. That would be a huge upset and be a big lift for them. But if we just talk about for the rest of the season, Boyle in there instead of Zach Wilson, I mean, he might do a better job of getting the ball out. Of him, but I still don't see this offense having a chance to be that productive under Boyle. And I think it's so hard in today's NFL to just say week in and week out, we're going to just play really good defense and hold you to 10 points or 13 points and finally to manufacture nothing but short fields and possibly score, you know, two touchdowns or score one touchdown and kick three or four fields. Like, I think that's hard 
week in and week out to say that's our formula to win. And I know the Jets' defense is really good, but I think when your offense isn't productive, your defense starts to wear down in a game, especially throughout a long season when you're out there just taking so many snaps. You're out there, everything has to be these long drives that you got to deal with or you have to get a turnover. You don't really get rest from your offense going 80 yards and getting a touchdown drive. So um, I think the Jets are just in a, a situation where they got to ride it out and hope for the best that Aaron Rodgers, you know, even if he's not back this year, that he can get fully healthy next year and take advantage of this team that they've built just totally around him from Hackett to the receiver. Like everything's built around him having success there, and they have to hope, you know, possibly at the end of this year, but I don't think their record will keep them in the race to even bring him back, but really for next year. Devin, uh, when we look on the other side of the ball, uh, the game you're going to do on Friday between the Jets and the Dolphins, the, the Dolphins scored 20 points this past week against the Raiders. They've had their games. You know, you look at the Eagles game and you look at the Bills game where teams play them a little bit more physically at the line of scrimmage, particularly the receivers. And, you know, it's hard to kind of judge this offense because uh, Devon Achan has been fantastic and, and he's missed some time and then left last game with a knee injury and we'll see what his availability is. But in the passing game, have we seen the recipe for success against this Dolphins team? And that is you have to jam them up at the line of scrimmage. Do not let them get mo- going because as soon as Tyree kill and Jalen Waddle get up to speed, there's, there's almost no way to stop them. Um, but the question I guess is how many teams can play them like that? Yeah, I think one of the things is you, you got to be able to have some versatility um, when you play against this offense, you can't just say, you know, we're going to line up in this coverage stand up there, jam them the whole game, and think, like, that's just going to win. It has to be um, just different things, throwing in some zone, but throwing in some zone like cover two where you can play aggressive on the outside and jam them. You have to have players that are going to be aware. You know, Tyreek Hill and Waddle, they start bringing them in tight to get them away from being able to jam them. You're going to need your outside linebackers, your defensive ends, to sometimes say, hey, I'm going to be a half a step slower on a pass rush because I'm going to stand up over Tyreek Hill, and I'm going to jam him. And I thought Kansas City had a really good formula of mixing in some all-out blitzes, some different simulated blitz packages that Tua had to, you know, he couldn't hit those quick passes right over the middle. He had to hold the ball for a second. And then when he was able to hold the ball for a second, now your pressure, your defensive line, your pass rush can get there. But I think whenever I watch Miami and Tua can't hit that back foot and let it rip over the middle or a quick throw outside, I think that's when they start to have trouble. So, I mean, even in that Raiders game, like, they were able to get some things going. They were able to make Tua hold the ball a little bit longer. He made some, you know, he made a couple bad throws that they were able to take advantage of. Um, But I think that's the key. Like, you can't just say, hey, we're going to jam these guys. And, you know, you go out there because when you do that, yes, you can have success, right? You can go up there, jam Tyreek Hill, jam Jalen Waddle. And you can be really good for every play except five or six plays. But those five or six plays can turn into one's a 70-yard touchdown, one's a 60-yard touchdown, one's a 50-yard bomb that puts them in scoring position. So you have to just be careful thinking we're just going to get in their face and take it away without having a full 60-minute game plan of how to attack this offense because Mike McDaniel's really good at figuring out what you're doing and getting to some of the good stuff that they like. I want to get your perspective on a big picture thing in football because you are so 
well thought about the game, and that is every week it seems like we're getting crushing injuries, more than I can ever remember. Every time I go online, people are arguing about the hip drop tackle, which I didn't know was a thing until about a week ago, a week ago. Players are bigger, stronger, faster, better taken care of, but yet we're losing them more. Your former teammate Tom Brady thinks it's because of lack of fundamentals. But what what do you think? Why are we seeing the rate of injury uh, go to where it is right now? Well, I always think we always have to sometimes step back, and I'm not sure about the stats. But every year when I watch, like when you, especially when you see big-time players get injured, the Joe Burrows, Mark Andrews on, you know, watching a Thursday night primetime game, we get this feeling of, man, wow, there's a lot of injuries. So I'm always, I'm always, you know, a little bit hesitant to say that without actually checking the data to see. But I thought what Brady said was very interesting about fundamentals, about coaching in the NFL. Um, I think the league has turned into so much of, all right, how fast can you go win? How fast can you do this? And you have lost some of those teams that are built on fundamentals, built on we're going to come out here full pads, we're going to rep this day in and day out and get good at it. You don't have that as much, and I think coaches feel the pressure to go out there and perform that they get so focused on, I got to put in the perfect scheme, I got to have this scheme that's going to work against this defense or this defense that's going to shut down that offense. And I think overall, players don't get as much time to say, hey, we're going to just work on our hand placement. We're going to work on the, the small fundamentals of route details and catching the ball in this situation or, or in this kind of traffic. And I think we've lost that because, like, you look at a guy like Frank Wright in, in Carolina, there was so much that went into that decision, right? You, you get rid of Matt Rule, you make some changes, you decide, like, hey, we're going with Frank Wright. And now all we keep talking about is, hey, Carolina and David Tepper, they might be really willing to be moving on from Frank Wright at the end of the year. And you're like, what? Like, this was only a few months ago that this was your guy. You hired him as your head coach. And there's really a lot of talk about moving on from him. So uh, I think because of that, coaches don't have the time to fully put in all of these different fundamental things that they want to do. And I think that's hurt the players and hurt some of the, the product that we see on the field week in and week out. And I think once you start from that kind of trickle-down effect, you will have a chance to have more injuries. You will be able, you will see that show up more. Um, and I don't even want to get into the hip drop tackle because, like, I hear this thing and I'm like, wait, hip drop tackle, you mean just getting a guy on the ground? Like, now we're <laughs> defining these random types of tackles that people watch. But I think a lot of that comes from, like, we need – they need more people – input and involvement on the rules of the game that actually went out there and tackled people, not people that just watch and see an injury because it is, it sucks to see Mark Andrews get tackled like that, but football is a tough sport. And I always hear Ryan Clark talk about it. It's a hundred percent injury rate. If you play hundred percent chance, you're going to get hurt. And I think players who have played the game understand and have that mindset. And I think they need to be fully involved in, on some of those rules when you're talking about how to tackle, what's a good way, what's a bad way, what's dirty. What's, like, I think that needs to have a lot of uh, current player and former player input. Uh, we were calling Logan Wilson the Grim Reaper on this show after that Thursday nighter because he took down three uh, Baltimore Ravens. But uh, I, I wanted to ask you about the New England Patriots because you've been in that locker room. You know all about Mr. Bill Belichick and – you know, the Mac Jones situation is one that feels like it's it's either coming to a head or already has come to a head. 
Bill Belichick was asked about, you know, who your starting quarterback is. And he says, I've told everybody to be ready. Um, I'll save you my Bill Belichick impression. But when you see that situation and you see not only what Mac Jones has done this year, especially with the new offensive coordinator and what happened the last time we saw them with him being taken out on the last drive of the game in a game that was winnable. Is there any chance that Mac Jones can be the quarterback of this team, at least for the foreseeable future? Um, and and what is it like being in, in the room when, I mean, maybe you didn't have to deal with it because you had that Brady guy, but what do you think is going on in that locker room knowing what Bill Belichick is like? Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard right now for that team, right? They're, we, we're so fast to compare, you know, like the Patriots and, and that locker room compared to the past. But like right now that locker room is like the other two and eight locker rooms or one and nine, like it, it's, it's a lot good going on in the locker room. So I think it's. Oh, man. That was such a good answer coming, too. Maybe Devin will call back and he can finish up his answer. If not, uh, it's not a big deal. Belichick was listening, said we'll spy gate and shut that down. Phone gate? Devin McCourty phone gate? Uh, th- see, none of these things would surprise me with Mr. Belichick. It was a fascinating start to the answer, though, that we, because the uniforms are the same and the stadium is the same and the coach is the same with the same hoodie and the same owner in the suite, that we compare this team to the great teams that they've had in New England. And a lot of the names are different. Yeah, they are. And, I mean, it's... it's Devin's right, though. It's it's like every other 2-8 and eight locker room. It's not great. Uh, Devin, sorry, we lost you there for a second. We we came to the conclusion that Bill cut your phone line because he didn't want you to give us an answer on that. <laughs> but, no, like I was saying, it, it's like that. I think for Matt, it, it would be really hard to see him back, you know, leading that team out and being a starting quarterback because you just said it. You had a game where they've been in some blowouts where he got pulled out at the end of the game. But that was the first time this season that they were in a game where, hey, you have a chance to now take the field. I think it was like a minute and 58 seconds left. Go drive down and let's go win the game. And they put Zappy in. And I think that's hard to come back from. That's hard to now take the field and say, hey, I'm the guy, when you know at any second they might just pull you. So, um, But I did know when that happened and they were going into the bye week, I told all the guys in the studio, I was like, Bill's not going to name a starting quarterback. I said, I know – being there for all those years, Bill walked in that meeting the first day they came back from the bye and said, why are we going to make it easy for the Giants? Let the Giants prepare for all three quarterbacks, and whoever we decide to start will start. So there's a chance that probably some of the coaches know, uh, maybe a captain or two might know. But I, I think, you know, from my time being there, Bill wants all of those guys in the quarterback room to prepare like they're going to start. He wants them all ready because I think – he might go with a guy that he wants to start, but I think he's going to be in that game, which is never a good sign, is he'll be ready to put either quarterback in and pull a quarterback. But, you know, they always say if you have more than one quarterback, you really don't have a quarterback. So um, I think they're going to, it's going to be tough for them down the stretch of this season. Um, and, you know, right now it looks like the Giants have found some love with DeVito, the, the Jersey guy. So um, it, it might be a tough game for them Sunday playing against a Giants team that's going to be playing with some confidence coming off a win against Washington. Yeah, we're all preparing for it to be Bailey Zappi, and it'll absolutely be Malik Cunningham, just because that's how things work. Uh, Listen, (laughs) Devin, thanks so much for doing this today. Greatly appreciate it. Have a great call on Friday, and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. All the best. Thank you, man. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone there, too. Thank you very much. There he goes, Devin McCourty, former NFL corner.
Super Bowl champion and now analyst for Westwood One. You know, Don, it is a happy Thanksgiving for us in Canada because we don't have to host, we don't have to cook. Yeah, we just get some Thursday football all day. They we'll take it for our friends that are listening south of the border. You guys do it right. We do it wrong here. Monday, really? Give I'll me take- Thursday, then take the Friday, and then all the way around get turkey and stuffing and. Love all of it. And football all day. And now we get the Friday game, too. This is going to be a good weekend, Donovan. Yeah, thanks, Sam. You, thanks, Amazon, for that. You know what the best part about it is? Is that our eyeballs don't have to go sideways to watch games on Sunday. Because there's less of them. Teams on by. You've got the three games tomorrow. The one game on Friday. Another one on Monday. It's a good weekend. I'm very much looking forward to it. It is. I like to get my survivor picked on on Thursday. Just like, oh, man, let's get it done. Let's, let's get in the clubhouse early, feel good about ourselves, not have to stress out Sunday night, figuring out if I'm going to still be alive. And it's a tough one this week. It I mean, it, it, at this oh. point in the season, it's tough anyway, because if you've gotten this far, like my cousin sent me a bunch yesterday, and he's like, here's who I've picked. This is who I've left. I'm like, oh, boy, Texans over the Jags at home? Like, is that the one I'm looking at right now? We're in road dog territory. Oh, yeah. Survivor. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Okay, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll we'll get back on the, the firing of Matt Canada page because uh, I've got some stats that are just mind-blowing. Um, and also, we should probably talk about the team that won last night, being the Philadelphia that's Eagles, because right. we didn't really spend a lot of time on them, and they're 9-1. and one. They have the best record in football, and they still got one game up on the Detroit Lions. All that and more when we come back on the Fan Checkdown. Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett, you're listening on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Everything Raptors before and after the games. The Raptor Show with Will Liu. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. It's the Fan Checkdown. On the Sportsnet Radio Network, Matt Marchese, Donovan Bennett with you here. You want to go Eagles, since we didn't talk about them, or do you want to go Matt Cannon and finish up that conversation? Fly Eagles fly. We've got to give them some love. All right, let's One get... loss, best record in football, hostile environment Monday night, banged up QB, big brother gets the first win over little brother. It was a good win. I mean... Jalen Hurts didn't have to be great yesterday. They did a really good job of running the ball. The defense stepped up when they needed to with the two turnovers in the red zone, one being an interception, one being a fumble. I'm really, I'm really, it's weird to say this, but I'm trying to figure out what the Eagles are at nine and one. Doesn't it feel kind of strange because the defense has had its moments, but for the most part, it's been the offense that's kind of carried the day. But then Jalen Hurts has had his turnover problems and, DeAndre Swift has been great, and then yesterday was a dud from A.J. Brown, but Devontae Smith steps up, and I mean, I guess what I'm saying is they can kind of beat you in any way, it feels like right now. They can, and I really was interested to see them without Dallas Goddard to see how they would be offensively. He is a chess piece that they move around. He helps them dictate matchups in both the pass and run game, and they were able to do it by committee. Wasn't always pretty, but they remind me of the sprinter that just wants to get into the finals in the middle lane, just conserving energy throughout the heats, you know, getting out, getting out of the blocks. 
and shutting it down around 60, 70 meters, controlling the race, if you will. It's been a professional approach. So they're using both. Essentially, yeah. Um, we'll see if they can finish, like you saying both. But what will be interesting is they're going to be tested by worthy opponents, big physical opponents that need the wins even more so than them. Week 12, circle the wagons. Hey, now. The Buffalo Bills. Week 13, the team that believes they should have been in the Super Bowl from the NFC a year ago, the San Francisco 49ers that were just a elbow ligament away in their mind from continuing on this perfect Brock Purdy journey. So we're going we're gonna to find out. They finished off a real tough test by Casey, although I don't know if Casey didn't just drop the ball literally in that game, but nice. they won. That's all you need to do, especially on the road. Now they're going to get a chance to do it against the Bills and the Niners. In your mind, when you look at the Eagles, is there a threat to them right now? Is it, is it the Niners? Is it the Lions? Or do you look at the Eagles and they're in their own tier right now, especially because they've been fairly consistent all year. Whereas, you know, we've seen a little bit of a dip from the Lions and we've seen a little bit of a dip from the Niners, although they look back. Is it Eagles, then maybe a couple of other teams? Or do you put those other teams in the same category as the Philadelphia Eagles? I put them in the same category. Yeah. The inches that we need are all around us. A couple inches go a different way. The Dallas Cowboys beat the Philadelphia Eagles earlier this year. Some of their issues in terms of their secondary one, their secondary in terms of coverage in the middle of the field, too. We saw that last night, whether it was the drop from Watson, the drop from Valdez Scantling. You can make big chunk plays against them in the middle of the field. Sounds pretty good to the San Francisco 49ers yeah. with IU, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle, who will not be batting the ball down as if they're DBs. They're going to be catching it and running with it. So I, I do think whether it's the fact that C.D. Lamb went off against them, the Niners have the ability to have a big game offensively. I, I do think in the NFC there are some teams built to beat them, specifically beat that really good defense. And then the offense, as you mentioned, hasn't been as prolific as it has been in years past, and uh, they won't have Goddard. And Jalen Hurts, although was managing his energy, he didn't look like he had that explosion running the football uh, last night. And then the wild card to me is the Lions, who, again, when you look at the formula, explosive plays in the middle of the field, that sounds pretty good to Mara St. Brown and uh, Sam Laporta. So I, I do think they have an Achilles heel, whether or not any of those teams is going to be able to expose it. We'll see. But they'll probably at this point, unless they go on a run of losses, they'll probably at this point be able to have home field to get to the Super Bowl, which is always a good thing in Philly in November, December. So this play didn't get a lot of coverage until I would say like midway through the third quarter. But when I'm watching it, and not not saying that nobody else noticed it because I know they did, but I'm watching this play. You're talking about the defense. Did you see Jalen Carter almost intercept the Patrick Mahomes spike? Love it. Love like, it. that is, that's next level. And I saw him do it, and I'm like, that was a lot closer than people probably thought at the outset. And it actually was. His did hands were right there. Did you hear his comments about it? No, I didn't. He said he saw it on YouTube, so he decided he was going to try <laughs> it. There was an urban legend that Ed Reed would try to do that in practice, to calibrate how he'd be able to do it in the game. Obviously, he, he never pulled it off. 
But the fact that a D lineman thinks that he's both quick enough and has the hands to do it, really impressive. Well, he's definitely quick enough. We saw the speed, and, and he's definitely there. Again, one of those guys who's going to be up for defensive rookie of the year, uh, along with a guy like Will Anderson or Devin Witherspoon. Uh, okay, let's get to the other story, the big story. That was Matt Cannon. And we talked a little bit about it with Devin McCourty. This is the first time that the Steelers have fired a coach in season since 1941. And that was half owner Burt Bell who fired himself. So does that even count? I guess he resigned. I don't know if that counts. So it doesn't really count. Unless the other unless the Rooney's were like, listen. Bert, are you there, Bert? Time for you to go. We'll just make it seem like you fired yourself. The succession where there's a board meeting and all of a sudden it flipped and he no longer had the numbers? Yeah, pretty much. So so technically it didn't really count. That's what we're that's what we're coming to. Here's some of the offensive numbers under Matt Canada this year. Tied for dead last in punts per play with the New York Jets. 28th in yards per game with 280. Only the Jets, Raiders, Giants, and Panthers are worse. 28th in yards per play, 4.6 yards. 30th in time of possession percentage, say that five times fast, at 46.05%. 28th in points per game with 16.6. Tied for 25th in yards per point at 16.9. Dead last in red zone scoring attempts per game at 1.9. 31st in red zone TDs per game with 0.9. And 29th in offensive touchdowns per game with 1.4. It's bad. And somehow this team is 6-4. and four. Does this lend credence to our conversation? Because I don't. I think if Mike Tomlin wanted to fire Matt Canada, I don't know that he would have had that kind of power as even though Mike Tomlin is, you know, a legendary Steelers coach has been there forever. This is very unlike the Steelers. So obviously they saw something that was really bad, but the question becomes, and you asked this question with Devin McCourty, how much better is it going to get with a new offensive coordinator? If Kenny Pickett's still the quarterback. I don't know how much better it can get. If Kenny Pickett is still can't really get worse, right? But it can't get worse. And I think the choice was, because Devin McCourney mentioned earlier, you, you can't lose the quarterback. And so you need to lose the coordinator because you might lose the team. This team is 0-4 when they fail to score 17 points. Two touchdowns and a field goal. That's all we ask as a defense. And when you can't reach that bare minimum, again, you're wasting another great season. And even the tightest locker rooms will become fractured. I, I think that's why we see a new quarterback in... Uh, the Meadowlands with the New York Jets, because even though, listen, if we had a combine right now and we said we're going to work out Zach Wilson and Tim Boyle and decide who we we're going to choose, we would all choose Zach Wilson. Like, that's not the point. I think the point is you have to show to your team, if you talk about accountability, if you talk about doing the right things, that you can't continue to run people out there that are causing you to lose. I think in the case of Pittsburgh, whether it's true or not, the fan base believed. And the locker room started to believe it was because of the quarter, the coordinator. And I don't even just think it's defense. Najee Harris is out here talking about the fact that we can't continue to do the same thing. So I think it was obvious some sort of tr- change needed to be made. Now we focus our attention on the leash on Kenny Pickett. And if we might see Mitch Trubisky, if this continues to go down the path, which it's going. Here's the, here's the other thing. 
and and this is true for every sport. And and Jeff Merrick has talked about this, and and he and I have talked about it on the air as well. You can't lie to players. True. Players know you played. You know. You know. You can see it. That you go and practice with these guys. You play with these guys. You can't tell me that they're looking at it and going, "Yeah, Kenny's Kenny's still he's good. He's got some skill." Maybe Kenny needs to lose the glove. He's still got skills. No, I don't think that they're saying that. Like, could Deontay Johnson had eight targets on Sunday. He had one catch. How, how's Deontay Johnson feeling about that? How's George Pickens feeling about his numbers? Probably not very good because these guys, this is all part of their resume for when they want to get paid more. So they're getting killed here too. At some point, the players are just going to have enough and they're going to have no choice but to go to Mitch Trubisky because, frankly, it may be the same, but it's different. And at some point, you just lose the locker room because you lose the ability to reach them because they don't believe what you say. Yeah. You can't stand up, whether it's to the media or to that room, and say that that production is good enough that you believe in that player knowing what the results have been. And so... it. You can't lie to them, to your point. They know. But if you do lie to them, you're going to lose them. Uh, speaking of lying, um, that's what Robert Sala did for a long time uh, about his quarterback. And, you know, Zach Wilson is this and Zach Wilson is that. And then when he was, you know, pushed on it, it's, well, you got me. <laughs> Hand in the cookie jar. Oh, you got me. Now Tim Boyle is a starting quarterback. And Zach Wilson is not QB2. Nope. He's QB3. Trevor Simeon will be the backup. Is this an indictment on Robert Sala? Because if you still believed that Zach Wilson could have some modicum of success with this team, he'd be your backup quarterback. I think this is an indictment on Joe Douglas. And I think the only reason why Zach Wilson was still on that roster this year is because Joe Douglas drafted him. And you didn't want to totally admit your mistakes. So maybe the Aaron Rodgers osmosis, because Zach Wilson was compared to Aaron Rodgers when he came out in the draft process, and we knew Rodgers was going to have a, a sh- short time and a good time, but not necessarily a long time in New York. Maybe that would rehab Zach to be able to, at one day, become the starter for the Jets or play good enough in spots to be uh, moved elsewhere for some parts. There is no reason why. After you knew Zach Wilson wasn't good enough a year ago, which is why you went and got Aaron Rodgers, that you continue to run him out week after week after week this year when you could have got Josh Dobbs. You could have got Joe Flacco again, which you decided last year was a better option than Zach Wilson. You could have traded for Kirk Cousins before Kirk Cousins got hurt. There were a myriad of scenarios that, you could have exercised before it got to Tim Boyle. And, oh, by the way, why is Tim Boyle on the roster? Because he happens to be friends with Aaron Rodgers, which is not a good reason to have someone on your team and now taking real-life snaps in a professional football game. Yeah, the only snaps that Tim Boyle was taking when Aaron Rodgers was a quarterback was kneel downs. Not like real meaningful snaps. Well, you know what happens when Tim Boyle takes meaningful snaps? You lose. He throws the ball to the other team. Mm -hmm. In his NFL career, in his college career, at multiple schools, he has thrown more interceptions than he has touchdowns. 
Yeah, that is not a recipe for success. Nope. Um, you want to hear a good one from uh, Justin Jefferson, I which do. may give us an indication of his status for this weekend? Or do they play on Monday? Uh, I think they play on Monday, actually, uh, against the Bears. My health is way more important than you winning your fantasy games. It doesn't matter how many times y'all flood my DMs talking about me selling your team. I don't care. Excellent. Because here's the other thing. People that are sending those DMs to Justin Jefferson or to Joe, whoever, doesn't matter. You're an idiot. Why? Don't do this, okay? I don't care how much alcohol you drank i don't care how much weed you smoked don't be a moron do not flood their dms they do not care about you or your fantasy teams or your bets nada end of rant so you're saying there's a chance i'm saying he's, at this point he's probably going now nah, now i'm really not playing on <laughs> sunday <laughs> that's gonna do it for us here on the fan check down Uh, Thanks to Lance behind the glass, Donovan across the table. We will be back tomorrow, our regular Wednesday hit with Adam Rank. And uh, we've got some other things to talk about, like the Patriots QBs and Desmond Ritter is back and Arthur Smith is the worst. And uh, maybe somebody will fire their coordinator tomorrow. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Fan Checkdown on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Matt Marchese signing off. Chat with you tomorrow.